Hey, welcome to Pod of Mercy. I am your host, Long Hair Linda, and today's returning guest co-host is... Hi, it's me, Nathan, again. Good to be hello, back. Hello, hello. Yay, how are you, Nathan? How are you doing? I'm really good. How are you doing? Doing great. I'm so excited. We're right at the end now, finally at the end of Mr. Robot. Um, not only the season uh, finale, but the series finale as well. So much happened in these final, what, five episodes? No, four episodes. Is it four episodes? Five um, episodes. I'm confused. I'm looking now. I've only got notes for four episodes, but I think it's technically the The finale like was split into two. Almost. Yeah. Yeah. So the, the finale was split into episodes 12 and 13. So I think that's where the confusion's coming in. But yeah. So should we just get into it? Should we just get going with episode nine? Yeah, let's go for it. Perfect. Okay. So episode nine at a meeting with um, Mr. Robot, a young Elliot and a young Elliot's mum. They're in this kind of like skyline view, high rise building thing. It's It's Tyrell's boardroom. From the beginning. Okay. That makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So it's Tyrell's boardroom. Okay, cool. I, I only remember because the recap showed it. <laughs> oh, I see. See, I just I, I tend to try and just pay attention to like the big <laughs> stuff in the recaps. I don't know where they're filming at any time. Like, I have no idea. Good thing you're paying attention. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay, so in Tyrell's boardroom, uh, Mr. Robot, a young Elliot, and a young Elliot's mum are sort of having a conversation. And Mr. Robot is saying that Elliot is still not ready to know what the other two want Elliot to know. I was wildly confused here. Um, Mr. Robot wants to wait until the hack is done and then show Elliot what he did. Mr. Robot says he woke up for Darlene a few months ago, which means that she can help them. Mr. Robot and Darlene meet later and Darlene realises that it's not Elliot when Mr. Robot snaps at her. Darlene wants to know where he is and what happened to him and uh, as in Elliot and Mr. Robot says he'll be fine and he just needs some time. Darlene says that he doesn't trust him and Mr. Robot says that it's down to Elliot to tell her what happened when he's ready. Philip Price shows up and asks Mr. Robot for a favour. He hands over a thumb drive and asks Mr. Robot, obviously thinking that it's Elliot, to um, promise that he's going to ruin White Rose's computer. He wants the project destroyed because it was important to Angela. And as Philip leaves, Mr. Robot reminds him that everyone in the Deus group meeting needs to stay in the room so that they can get all of their phone numbers for the hack. Once Philip is gone, Darlene wants to know what was going on and why Philip cares about what Angela wants. And uh, Mr. Robot fills her in and says maybe she didn't know when Darlene says that she can't believe Angela never told her that Philip was her father. Turns out they're in some kind of hotel room or motel room opposite the location of the Deus Group meeting and Mr. Robot noticed that no one has gone in or out of the building other than Philip. Something is clearly wrong. So at this meeting, um, it's just Zhang sitting there with uh, with Philip when he arrives. So Zhang says that he wants to have a drink with him first. And Philip says he's an old man. He uh, gave up the foreplay a long time ago. Let's just skip to the part where Zhang tries to fuck him. I can hate that line so much as well. <laughs> I hate really it so much every time I hear it. 
um, and then Zhang, Zhang, Zhang says all that he had to do was nothing until the new year, that he wanted Philip to live till retirement, um, which was kind of weird and scary. But that's, that's the usual for Minister Zhang. So back in the hotel room, Mr. Robot and Darlene tries to find out whether they've been found out, basically. Um, and then we cut back. So we keep cutting back and forth to the meeting. So please bear with me because my notes are written as it was kind of playing out. Um, so back at the meeting, Zhang says uh, he knows that he teamed up with Elliot, as in Philip teamed up with Elliot, and will give him a peaceful, painless death if he tells him Elliot's plan. Philip tries to play it cool as Darlene and Mr. Robot have successfully hacked Zhang's phone to see the change in meeting location. Mr. Robot figures out that they're projecting, nope, protecting, <laughs> can't read. Mr. Robot figures out that they're protecting someone not trying to kill Philip. Back at the meeting, Zhang says that the meeting is taking place and that he's sure Tyrell is charming the rest of the group members. Philip says that's interesting as Tyrell won't be making the meeting. Back at the hotel, Darlene wants to go to the second location and Mr. Robot wants to stay there to see what happens. So back in the meeting with Philip and Zhang, um, Wong Chi comes along and updates Zhang that they can't find Tyrell and advises Zhang to delay the meeting. Um, Wong Chi gets very, very frustrated and yells that he's beaten you, talking about Philip. Um, I think he's either talking about Philip or Elliot. Uh, uh, she, sorry, was talking about Philip or Elliot. I wasn't too sure. I think she's talking about Philip. Okay. Or it could be like a mix of both. I, I still find it surprising how Zhang lets his assistants talk to him as well. It's crazy. Just yeah, all out. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't understand it. Um, yeah, so Wong Chi then just says that she's done and Zhang refuses to delay and walks out. There was something I thought of here that, oh, that's another thing that confused me. How come Zhang doesn't, I know that it, it's all kind of happening very quickly, but how come Zhang doesn't know that Tyrell is dead? Uh, because no one knows. It's basically, it's, that happened Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Yeah, that happened Christmas Eve. It's literally, it's not even been a day yet. This is Christmas Day now. Okay. So like literally Tyrell went missing that like the evening before and the meetings happened on Christmas Day because it where it goes to Christmas Day the morning after Tyrell dies, I believe. I think it's, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But I think it's just because it always feels like the Dark Army just knows everything mm. as it's happening, like in real time, like there's no way of, and we get confirmation of that later on as well, which I'll talk yeah. to you about in the next episode. because but... the agent that, kills Tyrell they kill him before he can like report back but uh, they take his van don't they and they go out of town and burn it as well that's true yeah, yeah yeah so there was no way to get the information back okay well that makes sense that makes sense um so anyway Darlene gets to the second location where the actual deus group meeting is happening and we get taken inside to what I can only describe as a wealthy people party um the camera pans to someone with Trump's hairstyle which I thought was hilarious and Darlene breaks into, I thought it was a costume shop. And I think it was to find something to wear to sneak into the party. Was it a costume shop or what it's the hell a, was that? I think it's a costume store, because it, 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 it looks like one, because she finds the stuff for the, she finds like the mask and things in there. Like, I can't imagine 
Well, I could, I could imagine, because of how big, like, F Society got, I could imagine places making the masks and selling them. And just, so, yeah, because they'd sell them as yeah. merch, wouldn't they? Yeah, like, something like that happens, you know people are going to sell that kind of thing. So it could very well have just been, like, a regular shop, but, like, mm. they just had F Society masks. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Mr. Robot calls Philip's phone and talks to Zhang. Zhang says that Angela's not really dead and that he can take him to her. Talking about seeing Angela again, hearing her voice, you know, touching her hand, etc., brings out Elliot. Zhang wants to show Elliot the world that he showed Angela. Zhang talks about how he wants to make peace and help Elliot as a message comes through to Elliot about turning on the TV. Elliot says he doesn't need help. Zhang does. And it's Darlene in the Neff Society mask on the telly, doxing the Deus group, providing a link to see all of their crimes and revealing their location. Darlene and Elliot talk on the phone and he says that he talked to White Rose but that they still need her number. Darlene realises that Elliot is back and says that she's glad. Elliot spots a cell tower and thinks that um, this can help him in some way. I don't understand my notes there, but sure. We'll go with that. He saw a cell tower. I'm not going to try and understand what the hell he thought he could do with it. <laughs> I think it's to uh, get a bet. Because I think Zhang's the only person they haven't gotten the details of yet. Yeah, they haven't got his number. So they're going to use the cell tower to get him, I think is the general idea. Cool. I don't know if, it was, if you weren't sure about that or you just knew notes were confusing or whatever. To be honest, it literally could be either role with Mr. Robot. It genuinely could be either Yeah, they, they don't really explain it sometimes, but I still I still kind of get myself quite enthralled in it. Yeah. Um. So Zhang is trying to do damage control as Elliot hacks away. Darlene also hacks something and makes it so that people can't leave the party via the like car park thingy. There's like an underground car park or whatever, so they can't get out. So they have to go out into the street. So while they're outside making phone calls, Darlene pulls up, well, pulls all of their numbers that way, which very smart girl. By this point, people and the press have started gathering around the venue to see the Deus group for themselves because this obviously had been on telly. Um, this helps to keep them uh, there even longer and it allows Darlene to get what she needs. Elliot successfully hacks the cell tower just as the cars are able to leave the parking garage at this uh, venue, which was called Cipriani's. As Elliot is trying to figure out which is White Rose's number from the list, Zhang is getting ready to leave. <laughs> All this over a little pipsqueak in a hoodie. <laughs> Where are we at, kiddo? I've got a bunch of numbers. I just can't tell if any of them are hers. Truth be told, I never liked Mr. Alderson. His anxious demeanor, his juvenile anger. But does bring something to the table. Well, for me. Alderson is the only person I believe actually able to hurt you. 
clearly you believe it too. On the way out, Philip stops and Zhang asks if he's going to make him force force him into the car. Sorry, that was a really weird sentence to read. If he's going to make to make him force him into the car. <laughs> Philip says he almost let himself believe Zhang when he told Elliot that Angela was still alive. He felt the power of his promise, even though he knows that he's a con man. He said maybe that's how his daughter felt when Zhang came to her, that Zhang weaponized the pain everyone has, regret. Philip says Angela lives in the lives of the people who love her and in their unwavering resolve to destroy him. He says Zhang did this all to himself and Zhang tells Philip to accept that it's over. Philip laughs and says, I suppose it is, as Zhang's phone starts to buzz. He looks and realizes that all of the Deus group money is gone. Philip is rubbing it in, basically, that Zhang's project is now dead and tells him to think of it not as losing the game, but as he has run out of time, which I thought was especially mean of him. I love that whole scene, like, because there's this, it's like basic cinematography 101, where, like, obviously, if you're looking, if your camera angle's low and you're looking, with a character looking down on you, that's, like, to denote they have power. If you're looking down on someone, it shows that they're in, like, a lower position. Yeah, and as soon as that notification comes through on Zhang's phone, they very subtly, well, like not even subtly, you can notice it happen, but they switch the angles. They do switch the angles, and it's because it's being filmed on some steps as well, so that makes yeah. it even more like interesting. Yeah, so the power, the power dynamic just changing so quickly on that. I, I love that whole just interaction with them. Yeah, so as Philip is rubbing it in, he's obviously now above. He looks like he's above Zhang, which was a nice touch. Definitely. Because he's absolutely fucking trashed the whole time. It's great. I know, he really did. Um, so unsurprisingly, but still very surprisingly, Zhang shoots Philip dead outside as Mr. Robot tells us that just like that, they took down the Deus group. We then cut to the FBI banging on White Rose's door as she's applying lipstick upstairs while wearing the infamous white dress. A gunfight ensues downstairs as the FBI or the police, I, didn't, I couldn't tell which one it was, uh, breaches her home and the credits roll. That was the epi- end of episode nine, even if I can get my words out. Nathan, thoughts? It, it's wild because it's literally, this has been like, what, the day, the day one kind of objective of the characters. You've got four episodes left to go. Three or four? Yeah, four episodes left to go. And they they finished the main quest. So like like it's it's insane to have it wrapped up so well in that sense of things. Now you've just got the characters that just need to be wrapped up. But the whole the whole episode's great. Like there's it's it's a real triumphant kind of moment once once the plan actually starts to work near the end. Like it's it's just so good. Like honestly, all I can keep saying is it's just so good. That's literally our famous line for this show, isn't it? It's yeah. just so good. It's just all so good. Um, yeah, same. I really loved episode nine. I thought it was shot beautifully, written beautifully. It wasn't overly wordy, but there were some really, really great bits of dialogue in there. Um, and yeah, like you said, they wrapped it up. They gave us the the finish that we wanted. And I thought, okay, well, they finished it now. What the hell are they going to do for the next four episodes? And boy... I was not ready. <laughs> One a couple of details I quite liked about it. when when Zhang and Elliot have that phone call and they had the sh- the switch between being Mr. Robot and Elliot. Like I feel like that's such a perfect moment for that switch to happen. 
like where he just like as soon as he mentions that seeing Angela again, he gets nothing to his head, and they just swap, and you've got Elliot back. Like they've done some great, like this season they've done some great stuff with like the dynamic of Mr. Robot and Elliot. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's still some bits that I have some issues with, mm. which um, another another couple I think happen as we we go into the the rest of the. I know that you might be on about later on. Yeah, so there's a couple things that I'm just like, hmm, mm, not thrilled, but. Maybe yeah, it will it, help to talk them out. Maybe there's something yeah. that you kind of spotted it takes, that will help. I think there's some artistic license with it sometimes. Definitely. Yeah, definitely is. All right. You ready to go into episode 10 then? Yes. All right. So after all of that, um, episode 10 starts with a news report of the largest docks in history. The latest F Society data dump turns out that the news is playing on a TV in Dom's hospital room. She is alive and has had surgery. And can I just say, I think I audibly cheered watching that. <laughs> I was just like, so happy that Dom was alive. Okay. Remember the season two fake out where you like spent maybe two episodes thinking like Darlena died died like in a similar thing I don't remember the, I remember the, thinking the Tyrell had died shooter. they did like the restaurant shootout didn't they oh yes yeah they yeah. did fake it out I figured that she wouldn't die though I, I don't know I, that one I no. didn't really buy I thought Tyrell was dead for sure well I thought Tyrell was a lot of things I thought Tyrell was a figment of Elliot's imagination I thought Tyrell was dead I don't, I don't know what I thought that's what I love because like I think like, most of like the first season everything, I think a lot of people did think that yeah. I like for this kind of whole thing that the imagination they, they use this family for it, which I quite like. Instead of creating like him have create a whole person he's never met before, they use like the stuff of his past. I quite like bringing that in. I thought it was a bit weird bringing in like another personality. Mm. But the way they did it, I did quite like. But that, that's a later thing. That's later. Thing. That's that's a discussion for later. Yeah, that's yeah. later. That's later. Um, so yeah, so Dom's alive. She's just had surgery, and a picture of Zhang is displayed with details of White Rose on the TV. And Dom realizes that Zhang was trying to tell her who he was when he showed her the dresses back in China. Uh, Dom has admitted to everything and gets told that she isn't clear to go back to the FBI, and she doesn't even get to know where her family is. Um, when the FBI agent that told her about, you know, the investigation that she's under and everything uh, leaves, she insists on being discharged against medical advice. The attendant won't let her just, you know, get in a cab or whatever, saying that she needs to have someone actually pick her up. Since she has no one to call and doesn't want him to call the FBI agents that were there earlier, he has to check the social services schedule to see who's available to pick her up and drop her home. Back at her apartment, Dom takes some pain meds, makes a grilled cheese, and then gets a knock on the door from Darlene. Darlene is rightly concerned about Dom not being in the hospital and says that she needs to join her in uh, her and Elliot's getaway plan for her own safety before the Dark Army come for her. Dom says she's not going anywhere till the FBI clears her so that she can see her family again and apologise for everything that she's put them through. Darlene keeps pushing, but Dom's not budging, so Darlene smashes Dom's Alexa out of frustration and snaps her out of it. Darlene also, I found really interesting in this scene, referred to Alexa as just a robot that she uses to buy her paper towels. Um, I don't know if I'm just super hyper aware whenever they use the term robot in this show, but I thought it was worth noting down and mentioning. I think it's an interesting thing with, like, I feel like I'm about to go on a tangent that doesn't make sense as soon as I started it, but like everyone's kind of got this 
like the, the more lonely characters have got this other person they talk to if that makes sense like uh elliot's got mr robot what like Zhang has got white rose in a way is kind of like another persona and for dom it's like personified with her alexa mm. yeah that's that's a really good um observation actually it probably is a bit of a juxtaposition with mm. um elliot and mr robot it feels like identity is a big part of the show in some places mm. like yeah, that's all I've got anyway. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, they pull up to a motel where Elliot is and Darlene tells Dom to go inside while she talks to Elliot. Elliot tells Darlene that he's not going to go with them and that he needs to go back to Washington Township. So in the recap at the start of this episode, we were shown uh, the scene where Philip had handed Elliot the USB and asked him to destroy White Rose's machine. Um, so Darlene asks Elliot if he wants to do the honours and all the money is now completely untraceable and sitting in crypto accounts ready to be dispersed but Elliot said that it should be her that does it and they hug goodbye. As they're hugging we cut to Dom who was struggling upstairs in this motel to get a vending machine to accept her dollar. So she then gives up and goes into the room that Darlene sends her to. She's horrified when she goes in to find Leon there, who is, of course, super nonchalant, just, you know, rolling a joint and barely even remembers her. Dom is confused since he's supposed to be Dark Army and Leon Leon talks about keeping his opportunities open and that he's there to help Elliot and his sis. I just have to point out that I absolutely love this character. This is just such a great character. Leon is great because, like, it it's just such an it's, it's the nonchalantness about it mm-hmm. like he's not some sort of psychopathic killer or anything like that like but he that, also is a, yeah like that, it, he's just so chill about everything he, like he's got this kind of oh, like analytical sense about him that like he's more than just a killer but you never yeah. see too much of it for it to become for you to get more into it you just kind of see enough that you think okay he's intriguing like it always leaves you wanting more from him definitely i would have loved to have had several more scenes with him to be honest um throughout this this series um so yeah so darlene obviously walks in at this point and says oh you know i forgot to tell you you know he's working with us now (laughs) kind of thing and we cut to dom darlene and leon in a car driving to boston i believe they're driving to the airport i didn't realize that at the time i was a bit confused um leon's trying to encourage dom to get some rest as darlene is sleeping in the back and dom opens up her fake passport that shows her new identity as jackie doublehorn at a rest stop Darlene and Dom sit on a bench by a super open, busy, kind of like park type thing. And Darlene makes transfers on her phone. Dom asks what she's just done. And Darlene says, give it a few seconds. While Dom is freaking out, trying to get an answer, Darlene kisses her and tells her to shut the fuck up and just watch. Suddenly, there are pings on every passerby's phone, and obviously they look in very, very happy to get these notifications. And Darlene says they found a way to evenly disperse all of White Rose's money to everyone's eCoin wallet. And since eCorp insisted that eCoin remain completely independent from the US dollar, it's completely impossible for them to reverse the transactions. This is illegal. This is stealing. After what the Dark Army did to you? Fuck, after what they did to everyone, you really want to start defending them? This isn't what justice is supposed to look 
look like we have laws for a reason. And they were so powerful, they wrote the laws to benefit themselves. They got away with everything because they banked on us, all of us, to trust the system. That was our vulnerability, and they took advantage of it. It took this to finally stop them. And you were a part of it. Look around. This is it. Everything we've been through led up to this one moment. The greatest redistribution of wealth in history. We just Robin Hooded those evil motherfuckers. You ask me, this is exactly what justice looks like. After an incredible anarchist-like speech about the redistribution of wealth by Darlene, they head back on the road again um, and in the car, Darlene is scrolling on her socials to see people's reactions to hashtag equinepayday. At the airport, Leon asks uh, whether Darlene kept any of it for herself and she pretends not to know what he's talking about. Leon calls her a boss and offers her some kind of collaboration to which she says that she'll think about and uh, he then leaves them there. Inside the airport, Dom runs into Irving, who's apparently an author now, and signs a copy of his book and gives it to her. Uh, she nervously looks over at the bar and asks if, well, uh, Irving, sorry, asks if that's Elliot's sister and whether they're together now. For those who don't remember, by the way, Irving was the dark army guy the fixer guy who just had a car shop who killed so many people who was also very nonchalant but very scary not as fun as leon but still a very fun character um so irving confirms that uh, the dark army doesn't care about them when dog dom begs him not to kill them and he says look dark army doesn't care about you two anymore they've picked up and skedaddled off to a new thing Irvin confirms that her family is safe and Dom reminds him that he butchered Santiago when he got out of line. He says, yeah, that was fun. And nonchalantly says, take it easy before leaving. He also says, oh, she hasn't paid for that yet. The book that he just signed, <laughs> which again, very funny. Very, very funny. Ir Irving is just, he's, an, he's like similar to Leon where like every scene I have of him, I'm just like, I just, I don't want to leave that moment with him. Yeah. Yeah, very, very funny character. At the bar, Darlene is shocked that the Dark Army doesn't care about them anymore and still wants to go to Budapest. She tells Dom that Cisco always talked about going there when Dom asks her, you know, why Budapest, but that she couldn't go on her own. A call goes out over the tannoy and they pick up their stuff. Dom asks where Elliot is and Darlene says that he's running behind and will catch the next flight. Dom then says that she can't go because there's no longer a threat. She tells Darlene that she doesn't need to go with her and that she doesn't need her brother either. Darlene says she's no good on her own, that she's tried, she gets panic attacks. And Dom says, look, she's sorry. 
She has responsibilities and she can't walk away from them. Darlene says no wonder she never sleeps, insists that there's nothing for Dom to do there and that her family is safe, her job is on hold and suggests running away might actually be uh, giving herself a break and allow her to finally let go. Another call goes out on the tannoy and Dom hugs Darlene goodbye, telling her to send her a postcard. Dom gives her the contact number of a friend of hers who works at Cyber Command for when she's ready to grow up, lol. I'm assuming Cyber Command is some kind of government thing because Darlene says you want me to be a pig. Yeah, I think it's like the uh, cyber hacking kind of or cyber security arm of the FBI, probably. Yeah, makes sense. Um, Darlene puts on her heart-shaped sunnies, says they can't handle her and walks towards her boarding gate. At the exit, Dom sees the exit to get out of the airport. Her Dom sees a sign that says no re-entry beyond this point and heads back towards the boarding gate. She even starts dramatically running as Darlene also changes her mind at the gate and runs to the bathroom. As she leaves, Dom pulls up to the, the boarding line and ends up boarding the flight to Budapest. Darlene has a panic attack in the bathroom as Dom sits there looking at her empty seat on the plane. A final call goes out over the tannoy and the woman that's in the bathroom checking on Darlene and asking her, you know, if she's all right, she says, is that your flight? Darlene calms herself down and says, yep, but she's not going anywhere and she can take care of herself. On the plane, Dom is finally asleep. And that is the end of episode 10. Nathan, thoughts? I, it's, it's a nice, it's, what I like now is there's not as much plot now we're kind of just getting character moments and character endings so that's like our oh, goodbye to Dar- to uh dom and it, it, it like it's a really cathartic one because like, obviously like the whole series we've seen she struggles with sleep and all that kind of thing and like she's finally getting a good night's sleep all the weight is off her shoulders like it's a fantastic ending for her like it's it's the best possible thing they could have done to like give her given her an ending like it as well as that like i realized partway into the next episode that all this stuff is like happening concurrently like all of it's over such a short period of time that like it's, it's insane how fast moving things are um but yeah the, the episode's great bringing back like leon and irving for like those little moments was great um more kind of interaction with darlene and dom um because like they like their characters get on so well anyway like there's this kind of I, I kind of like the will they won't they kind of thing when you know that Dom wants things more steady and Darlene's kind of you know, that free spirit they're very different people um but yeah I, I love this episode and the the ending as well it's just I thought it was it was horrible to see it happen where they just kind of swap places but for Dom to kind of get that cathartic kind of like have her, her thing come full circle as she's now gotten like the weight of the world off her shoulders there's nothing for her to worry about she's finally just breathing basically yeah i loved it for those same reasons we got to say bye to some great characters we got some good rounding up like you say dom finally went the fuck to sleep oh my god i was so happy for her um and yeah the will they won't they it's, it's fine because we know that they both did what was best for them in that moment. And I think that kind of gives you that comfort um, of them not ending up together and going to Budapest together. But 
yeah, it was it was nice. It was a nice little goodbye to everyone. Now, to the point that I was trying to make before um, from episode nine, where I was surprised they didn't know about Tyrell, um, the Dark Army just seems to know what everyone is doing at any given moment. And that was proven by Irving showing up at the airport they're not using their own passports they use leon to drive them so like it was as covert as it's gonna be and yet he still found them enough to let dom know that her family was fine and that the dark army doesn't care about them anymore do you know what i mean yeah i i don't know if he was there on purpose or if it was just literally just a coincidence that he was there i feel like it's i'm uh... i feel like i'm not meant to quite know I feel like a coincidence is a push for him to be mm. there as they're about to board. I don't know, man. I don't. They have gone to another city as well. Like it's not like they're in New York. Like, well, we, it would feel more. This feels like it doesn't make sense when I'm about to say it, but like it feels like it would be more a purposeful thing if they went to like an airport in New York and he was there, as opposed to going all the way to the Boston airport instead and he's there. That to me feels like coincidence rather than, you know, he's he's in New York, he's a New York contact agent or whatever, so he may as well just be there. I don't know. I, th- I feel like it's it's ambiguous, but it's not like kind of hitting you in the face ambiguous kind of thing. To me, I always thought it was just a coincidence because he's got the book and everything, but also it kind of works in their favour. But then he did just quit them last year, last season as well anyway, didn't he? Like he just walked away. Yeah, but he can't have been all the way quitting because how would he know that the Dark Army doesn't care about them? Anymore? That's a good point as well, actually. Yeah, that's that's the that's the other bit where it's like, oh, they don't care about you. It's like the, they've like, picked up and moved on to the next thing. Just, yeah, like how would you know that unless you were still in with them? In which case, it's definitely it can't be a coincidence if you're still a Dark Army guy for yeah. you to have been there. But I get what you're what you're saying because obviously he's an author now. He he's had the display there with a damn poster of him, like yeah. um, not even a poster, a cutout, like a cutout thing of him. Mm. So partially meant to feel Dom's unease about it because Dom definitely thinks he's there on purpose. Yeah, like she thinks he's there to follow I don't blame her. her. I would too. Because hmm. I thought the thing you were going to complain, like say about, was uh, when Darlene and Elliot say their goodbye. No, 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 that doesn't happen away. here. That doesn't happen. Oh, here. that's next episode. Yeah, that's Never next mind. episode. Okay, so you are you also have a comment about that? <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. Have a comment about that. Yeah, yeah. No, remember they happen concurrently, like you said. So yeah, yeah, we hadn't seen that yet. I forget we see the conversation again, don't we? We do. We absolutely yeah. do. All right. Well, we've talked about it now. Let's get into it then. Episode yes. eleven. <laughs> so at the start of episode eleven, we're taken back to the moment where White Rose was applying her lipstick as police were raiding her home at the end of episode nine. Shots ring out and then some footsteps approach her door. Dark Army soldiers escort White Rose out of the home where we see several police officers have been shot to death. White Rose steps over one dead officer and says to a dying police officer that they were looking for Minister Zhang. He is dead, there is only White Rose. Before a Dark Army soldier shoots him in the head, of course. So we cut to the moment that Elliot and Darlene were hugging uh, goodbye in the last episode outside the motel. This time we actually get to stay with them instead of going off with Dom. And we get to hear that Elliot was, you know, thanking Darlene for never giving up on him. Um, And they just have this really beautiful goodbye moment that we didn't get to see last episode. 
As Darlene is walking away, Mr. Robot is leaning on a car that's a way away from where Elliot was standing. And Darlene looks at him directly and says, you know, you really started to grow on me when you stopped being such a dickhead. So this is what I have an issue yeah. with. Yeah. So because... they did similar, didn't they, before? The episode where Tyrell dies, they did yes. similar with, like, a conversation between them all. Looking where, like, each character was looking. But now, this time, even more than with that episode in the woods with Tyrell, Mr. Elliot, uh, Mr. Elliot, <laughs> Elliot and Mr. Robot were a lot further apart this time. And so I don't understand. And I know that there's artistic license, yeah. but that I don't get. And I don't know that I'm happy about it, if I'm being honest. It's a bit of an iffy one on me. I kind of let it pass, but I did kind of put a quick note down about it. It was a, like it was noteworthy enough for me to go, not quite right, but it was so quick that I just kind of let it pass. Because you can consider it like it could just be Elliot could imagine that. Like, I can't imagine Elliot walked with her part of the way and that's how that happened. But yeah, it, I think it's because Darlene herself goes out of her way to talk to Mr. Robot as he's leaving yeah. there. It's not Mr. Robot that says anything to her. It's her looking at, and I get what they're trying to do, but that was too much yeah. for me personally. Yeah. For me personally, it was just a bit much. Um. Anyway, so Mr. Robot is trying to convince Elliot not to go through with the destroying of the Washington Township machine. And Elliot has already written the malware and knows how to get it onto the machine. So Mr. Robot ends up calling it an endless war and that at a certain point they have to move on. Elliot says maybe Mr. Robot shouldn't go with them. And sorry, may, oh, I nearly gave away the end then. Elliot <laughs> says maybe Mr. Robot shouldn't go, should go with them. And to me, I, I heard them as Darlene and Dom in that moment um but anyway so elliot says maybe mr robot should go with them and tells him that he's not shutting him out he just wants to do this one on his own so it wasn't actually darlene and dom that he was talking about it was uh the other the other personalities young elliot and young elliot's mum and at this point, which is hilarious, I actually wrote down, I purposely wrote down here, obviously not knowing the end, saying, also, who is the other personality? Have the writers forgotten about them? <laughs> I literally wrote got, that then. Yeah, because it got brought up like that one time. One time and never again. Yeah. So uh, that, that made me remember because I saw young Elliot and young Elliot's mum. So I was like, hang on, what about the other personality? Have they forgotten? Are they going to wrap this up? Anyway, I'll just move on to the next thing. But I wanted to write it down. <laughs> and it's so funny that I did, but whatever. Um, so anyway, Elliot gets off a bus at Washington Township and walks past a police officer kicking a homeless person off a bench, a bank of E-Corp, where the Mr. Robot shop used to be 20 years ago, and some speeding cars as he approaches the nuclear plant where he finds an empty entrance office booth thingy, Bobby. I don't know what they're called. I literally wrote it that way because I don't know what they're called. And uh, he ends up walking right in. There's this really, really beautiful shot of the power plant as he walks towards it from the open gates. I love the music in that bit, by the way, as well. Like, I made a note of it. Like, I can't remember what the song is now, but I just thought it was weirdly up upbeat. Yeah, it was uh, like a, it reminded me. On around. It reminded me of like you know, like movies or TV shows that are based on like '50s suburban towns. Mm. That's what it reminded me of. And it's so interesting that that's, that's what was played because of what happens later. Um, but we'll go back to that. But that's what it reminded me of, that music. 
Um, inside the plant, there's a fallen Christmas tree at reception and some knocked over chairs. There's no one around and Elliot heads up the stairs. At first I was like, why does it look like this? And I was like, hang on, they probably just had like an office Christmas party or something and there'll be people somewhere, just like not loads of people, but it's weird. That's what was that's, going through my head at the time. Yeah, that's because that's the thing for me where like you keep forgetting the whole season's taking place over just... It's literally Boxing Day at this point, yeah. right? Yeah. Like it's like they they I only remember that like episode nine was Christmas Day because they briefly mention it during the meeting bit. Yeah, and that's true. Think, they do mention it. Oh, because it it went to Christmas morning mm. when they burnt the car. Like I remember that as well. And I'm like, how has all of this happened in this time? Such a short space of time. Mm. Crazy, crazy. Um. So yeah, there's no one around. He heads up the stairs. He's walking around. It's really just empty at this point, but just messy. And he finally finds an open office door where he finds a computer to install his malware. Elliot then stumbles across a man that's been shot in the head as sirens start to ring in the distance. Uh, he goes over to the window and several police cars and even a helicopter are approaching when um, he then turns back away. Dark army men are standing nearby, including the one that's always eating. I feel like he was the one in the um, riot. Was he there? He's like the guy that's always literally, he's just wearing a sandwich. Wearing a sandwich. He's wearing, <laughs> he's wearing a, like, a hazmat suit, eating a sandwich every time. Yes, um, I feel like he was in the e-court building during the riot. I think so, yeah. I think he's he's always kind of just there. It's not like he's a guard for, uh, for uh, White Rose or anything, but he always just seems like... He's there at like an opportune moment. He's like a like a team leader for the killer soldiers yeah, or something. He yeah. just stands around eating sandwiches. Yeah. Also, um, I don't know. Do you ever use the um, the X-ray thing on uh, Amazon Prime? Because I I like it for whenever I see an actor and I'm like, oh, I know him from something. Because if you click if you click on it, it shows you who the actors is in the scene are who the, who's like playing who. I normally do, but I haven't yeah. been watching these on Amazon Prime. <laughs> <laughs> But um, on that one, it brings up his name is Aaron Takahashi. But I don't know if they said his name, if they put his name on there at any point before. But anyway, I call it, keep calling him Sandwich Guy. But um, his name is apparently Aaron, Aaron Takahashi. It never gets said, but that's his name. Oh, as in his character name? Yeah, his character name is Aaron Takahashi. Hilarious. Why would they even bother giving him a name? Well, they did with um well they they kind they don't do it with the the Russian guy um in episode nine, the one who it mainly follows is this like account is draining, the one who's in the car and has like eye contact with Darlene as he drives past. Mm. He's just called Russian oligarch in the in the credits thing. But I'm pretty sure they call him Sergei during the episode. So oh, like sometimes confusing. they do it and sometimes they don't. Like it's like um that woman assistant that White Rose had. I think I only knew the name of her because of the credit of the credit thing. That is weird. Why are they picking name. and choosing like that? No, it's 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 odd. It's a detail I quite like that they're that fleshed out that they know. I oh, know Aaron Takahashi is the, is the actor's name. I got that wrong. Ignore me. <laughs> I was gonna say <laughs> they have given him a full name. I'll check his filmography. Keep keep talking while I check his filmography. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna refer to him as Sandwich Guy. So Sandwich Guy tells Elliot that he's in the wrong place and walks Elliot to another location where he sees, you know, just a bunch of dead staff in various, you know, offices and corridors. In this kind of like basement looking area, um, Sandwich Guy kind of 
gestures that he needs to go down this little corridor and Elliot walks down it on his own. Now, in this little corridor, I noticed that there were hanging pictures on the wall of, I'm guessing like they were supposed to be like founders or something, but their faces were painted over. Did you notice that? And did you know why or have a theory on why? Um, no, I, I, I noticed it, but I didn't really think much of it when I saw it. I just found um, it to be a weird thing. I assumed it was like a riot in the whole thing, but then this is just the plan. So I don't know why they would do it. No, that's it. Like, why would, why would, why would the Dark Army do that? It doesn't really quite make sense to me, but it is what it is. Um, so yeah. So anyway, he goes down this little, this little corridor and um, he walks into the room at the end and is met with a table with two chairs, an old computer, and it looks like pretty much the setup that Angela was taken into before meeting White Rose. Um, except there's also a copy of a book by Tolstoy. Elliot walks up to a sign that reads, where a door closes, a window opens, and White Rose enters. Usually I had picked someone to do the introductions, but I felt that unnecessary since we've already met. Please have a seat. This isn't going to work on me. What are you referring to? The computer I used growing up. The book my dad used to read. You even got QWERTY here somehow. It may have worked on Angela, but your brainwashing isn't going to work on me. This procedure has never been about brainwashing. It is about helping you come to an understanding. What's in the box? I had a lot of pain growing up. I wasn't born who I was meant to be and it cost me a lot. It cost me my one true love. It cost me the life I was owed, the world I deserved. You're not answering my question. This world around us, I'm tired of it. I'm tired of the pain it causes. I'm tired of the disappointment it is. And all I've been trying to do, Elliot, all I ever wanted was to finally bring an end to that dysfunction and deliver us a better world. Look around you 
Everywhere we turn, all we see is spite from our so-called fellow man. Every day we turn on the news. We're constantly told by our leaders, our scientists, our religions that our world is crumbling and that we are the problem. We are the root of everything that is wrong, that we don't stand a chance. We are told this so much that self-hatred is no longer considered an anomaly, but a given. And yet, you dare point the finger at me when I try to bring order to its chaos, when I have sacrificed everything to make it better. for people that drives me. It always has been because I know deep in every person's heart they're trying to be good. They were just dealt a bad hand by a world unfit for us. So please don't make me fucking laugh and accuse me of hating people when you been your anthem, not mine. You're right. I hate people. I'm scared of them. I've been scared of them practically my whole life. People that I loved, people I trusted, have done their absolute worst to me. Now, I'm getting a bit annoyed that they keep talking about F Society as if it was originally meant to be Fuck Society because it wasn't it named after the Fun Society arcade where they met. I, I don't actually, I think that more, might have more been a kind of, uh, this is a sign that this is where we should be. No, but that's where everything started with Romero mm. because Romero used to work there or whatever, mm. and it was called the Fun Society, the arcade. Mm. So then they started calling it F Society, and I get that obviously it was like a like a play on it, like to say then, yeah. F Society. But it was like now from now from this point onwards, they keep talking as if he created it to call it Fuck Society. I don't know, but whatever. See, that's something I didn't really think about. I've forgotten about about that side of things. Yeah, it was in one of the episodes that was that we took back took us back to stuff that we didn't get that we weren't privy to and um talking about Romero and how that you know they met Trenton and all these people like it was one of them and we saw it was called Fun Society but anyway it's fine. Elliot admits that he's scared of people and that he hates what has been done to him by the people that he has trusted and what society has become but there are still people who refuse to let you hate them and care for you in spite of that and there are very few that are relentless at never abandoning you no matter how many reasons you give them 
Elliot says it's because they feel something for him that he can't. They love him. And for all of the, the pain that he's been through, that heals him. Maybe not instantly or even for a long time, but it heals. Despite hurting each other and how messy it gets, uh, that's just us. We stand, we break and we keep going and we won't give up on this world. As he's giving this speech, an alarm goes off and White Rose says that she's turned on the machine and that she turned it on before the malware that he actually installed, so it won't work. White Rose insists that everyone will be reborn and when Elliot pleads with her because so many people are going to die, he also says to her, look, you're not letting them choose whether they want to be part of this new world. White Rose says that she's going to show him what she showed Angela and that everything that has happened so far um, was supposed to happen in the, in the way that it happened before she shoots herself in the head. Mr. Robot appears as Elliot is trying to find an exit out of the room. As Mr. Robot enters the code that Elliot finds, Elliot gets caught up in the book that White Rose had placed on the table for him and turns to a page with the word exit. Uh, he says that White Rose told him that she gave him a choice and he finds a disc that can potentially override the machine. So Elliot answers all the questions on the old computer and gets to the end of the game but Mr Robot says that it didn't work and is urging Elliot to leave. Elliot starts it again and answers the questions differently. Now, I got confused with the significance of the questions. I think I was supposed to know more than I did. Um, but Elliot ended up looking super sad and then it stopped the alarms at the end. Mr. Robot opens the door again to what appears to be explosions and says it's too late. I was confused as to whether this was all White Rose's plan. So, I mean, I guess we'll talk more about it in a minute. Yeah, I was, I'll be honest, I was a little bit unsure as well. <laughs> I was wildly confused. Um, Mr. Robot sits opposite Elliot and they tell each other that they love each other as explosions start to ring out. Elliot says it's an exciting time in the world and the screen goes red. After a few moments, an alarm goes off on a phone at 11.16am. Someone turns it off and ends up putting on some music and it turns out it's Elliot at his apartment. He's stretching, then touches his head as if he's got some kind of headache and then looks around the room a little bit confused. He goes to shower and gets dressed but touches his head again. Then an earthquake hits. An incoming call comes through on the computer from Angela who's alive and well. She asks him if she felt that earthquake and that it was weird and then asks whether he's ready for today's presentation. Elliot says he woke up with a really bad headache and Angela says he hasn't made progress on uh, picking. Oh, on packing, sorry, on picking. <laughs> and Angela looks around basically because they obviously doing a video call. So um, Angela says that he hasn't made any progress on packing. And at that point I was like, oh my God, are they moving in together? Exciting. Elliot then gets an email from his dad. Apparently everything is fine there. Angela asks Elliot whether he's keeping anything from her and says that he seems different. Elliot says it must be the migraine um, before they say their I love yous. Angela says that she can't wait to marry him tomorrow before they hang up. Elliot makes a call to his dad at his Mr. Robot shop and he says that he thinks Angela knows and that it will ruin everything. Elliot's dad tries to calm him down and says there's no way that she'll find out and they agree to meet for lunch and hang up. At an up and running, very up and running, all safe, E Corp is now F Corp. 
And the old gang is back in the office, including Angela's annoying ex from seasons before. On a nearby TV, an F Corp run ads and kind of shorts a little bit into E Corp for a second. Then a new story about a female's Zi Zhang comes up for the White Rose Foundation. After the presentation, the head of F Corp, Tyrell Wellick, not in a suit and very scruff, asks for the room with just Elliot. Tyrell says they'll be passing on all safe and Elliot says that he's stuck with a boring, repetitive routine and even though he fantasises on what being a risk taker with a more exciting life would be like, he knows he's lucky to be where he is. Tyrell says, he, Tyrell, sorry, says that he feels the same about his life at F Corp and how it's the best thing for everyone. Elliot says all safe will protect the company. At lunch, Elliot's dad wants to celebrate Elliot landing the deal and his dad presents him with a signed first edition copy of a book that was supposed to be a surprise for Angela. Elliot makes a call to Angela's sister who picks up and hangs up on him. At this point, I thought that he was ringing Angela's sister not realising it was Angela's mum. I didn't realise that till next next episode. Um... Elliot then forgot, uh, oh, realises that he forgot his wallet. And so his dad gives him some money to pick up some flowers for Angela as well. At Angela's apartment, Elliot is on the phone with Angela while pretending not to be at her apartment. He sees a broken glass with some blood and some tissues in the bin and asks if her parents have arrived. She confirms that they were at her place earlier and Elliot leaves the gift and flowers on her table. Back at his place, Elliot walks in to find another Elliot at his computer and asks who he is. And that is the end of episode 11. Nathan, thoughts? It just, I mean, it's just wild, isn't it? <laughs> like, the ending of White Rose, I love that, that whole scene. It's fantastic. Especially, I was going to mention that. I don't know if you noticed it. I'll try and find a video later if you didn't, but because there's one of the whole conversation between them, but you know the bit where Elliot, where um, White Rose says, "Oh, don't make me laugh," and, like she she like laughs out loud. There's this great little bit where the end of her laugh like echoes into the score of the of the like the background music. It's fucking great. Oh, I didn't notice that, but that no, I, I've noticed on rewatching. It's just like, ooh, just wow, gives you chills. It's so good. Um, but yeah, I I love this kind of like it start. It starts off a little bit silly with like the plant stuff where he like he so easily does the malware and then just kind of like casually walking through the place whilst you know you've got all these dead people just around and then this like amazing really in-depth conversation with like white rose and elliot that you kind of see the change elliot's gone through in the last well i don't know how long the show is kind of the timeline for the show is but it's got to be at least like a year or two um, you kind of see like the change Elliot's had and the experiences that he's had that it's season one, the very beginning of season one, he'd have just sided with White, White Rose possibly on it. I don't know if he'd have believed the entire concept like Angela did, but I think he would have more easily sided with White Rose. But he's learned that even though people have problems, there's, like there are still people there to help. Like He's kind of realised that and then all that happens like like you with the computer game i didn't quite understand what was going on with that um but i think it's kind of 
I think it's like symbolism for what happens to them at the end where like he chooses to stay with his friend and then he has no choice but to stay with Mr. Robot because they're trapped in the room. I, I don't know if that's like the relevance to that. And then obviously we get this whole other Elliot, this whole other world where you're kind of just led to believe was White Rose correct? Like what is going on now? It's this is what White Rose promised. It's it just it's just I'm just gonna say it, it's really good. <laughs> Basically say. the long and yeah. short of it is it's really good. Yeah, no. Um yeah, I definitely was confused for a lot of this episode. Um I think we're supposed to be. Yeah. Um but yeah, I didn't understand much of the game. I didn't really get what the significance of the answers he was giving was, but I was just like, well, you know, it is what it is. And yeah, they obviously were then trapped together, then were were led to believe that the plant blew up he's dead and white rose was actually right like this was the world that white rose wanted white rose was a woman not you know trans um mm. um and not to say that trans women aren't women but that ji zhang was allowed to be ji zhang and ji zhang was a woman and had a white rose foundation rather than minister zhang a male presenting had white rose which was a different sort of persona to mm. to minister zhang um and he was you know Zhang. she was good like she was a wealthy woman who had a foundation and you know was being awarded for something on tv and everyone was doing what like the perfect thing would have been for them to be yeah. doing so elliot was marrying angela you know tyrell was running f corp it was just all a routine yeah there was a routine he was able that elliot was able to communicate with people at his office everything wasn't weird um although he still flinched a bit when uh, angela's ex touched him um and just little things like that like it was just everything was how it was supposed to be so it was kind of giving you this impression that wait was white rose onto something except he's not narrating to us he doesn't seem to have any recollection of what had happened before that was just his life and i thought that was really really interesting an interesting way to do it halfway through the damn episode yeah um because it just adds to all of the confusion and you don't it doesn't you can't put it into context until you see the the fun, the two-part finale you just yeah. it doesn't make any fucking sense at all it's i like the parallel between elliot and tyrell where they you can kind of from from their conversation then you can see why Tyrell gravitated towards Elliot because mm-hmm. they talk about how they're stuck in their routines. They're stuck in this rut. And this, uh, like this, trying to spoil it, like this, this real kind of, this more real version of them where they, they become these risk takers in real life. is like, they are, that's what they want to be. That's why Tyrell gravitates because Elliot gives, you kind of realize Elliot gave him a purpose of some kind in a way. Yeah, Elliot definitely gave Tyrell a purpose in the real world. And you can kind of see the, in this world, Tyrell almost yearning for that reassurance mm. from Elliot, even though they're supposed to be different versions of themselves. Yeah. It was it was odd. It was odd, for sure. I also, um, having a think on it, the, um, the old text RPG game, whatever it is he plays, um, I think maybe part of it is about learning because he just plays the game to complete the game 
he doesn't learn to kind of change his view on it. And when he does, that's when he's able to succeed in it. Like you don't, maybe it's about like not winning, like winning isn't the only thing kind of thing. I don't know. I'm going to look more into that because I, like, I, I didn't think about the metaphor on it, but to me, it feels like, you know, winning the game isn't how you win the game. Like being on the top, isn't it? Because like, look at what, what White Rose did to herself. Like she, she didn't win, but she did win. In a way, if that makes sense, like she kind of died thinking she has won. She, well, yeah, she was, she was a hundred percent certain. And only so only somebody who like you could only be a hundred percent certain if you're gonna shoot yourself in the head. Mm. Like you are a hundred percent certain. So Yeah, so I, I don't know. I, yeah. I think there's more to the metaphor. I wanna look into it more for definite. Like there's probably some probably previous ones probably like three paragraph analysis about it, but to me it feels like you're kind of learning that you don't have to win the game to complete your objective. Like it, there's more beyond just you know, trying to get to the end to complete it, like think or thinking you've won, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely makes sense. Um, okay, so episode twelve, Elliot is back to narrating to us again. Hello, friend. Hello, friend. Wait, you can hear me again. Have you been there this whole time? I was so focused on the hack that I guess I thought you were gone. But after what just happened at the plant, I thought for sure I was gone too. We're dead, right? There's no way we survived. But if we're dead, then how am I talking to you? And if you're here, where's Mr. Robot? wants to know where Mr. Robot is and says that he's not dead and we're not dead. He wakes up on the ground where the plant used to be and it's after an earthquake. So it's like some kind of earthquake-like tremor was happening beneath him. As he gets up and walks around, he sees signs for a Washington Township community centre where signs for the power plant used to be. He says the machine couldn't have possibly worked. White Rose was out of her mind, as is, he says, he. But surely it didn't work. Elliot leaves the area to head towards the town and is in awe at this happy, sunny-looking suburban town with that music again. Very upbeat 1950s. That's all I could think of. Literally, Mr. Roboto, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. She yeah, was Mr. Roboto. <laughs> yeah, which is like perfect. Like they've they they probably had that in the bank for ages on this one. Probably they've probably been dying to play that. Um, so the Mr. Robot shop is back, the one that had been gone for 20 years, and um, Elliot goes inside. As he looks around, he walks past a computer with an F symbol instead of an E for F Corp, and hears his dad's voice coming from the back saying he'll be out soon. Elliot asks us if we can hear him too, and it looks like this was all happening at the same time as the last episode when we were seeing everything. So uh, when his dad was on the phone with the Elliot from the last episode, our Elliot was in the shop in the other room. So he picked up his dad's phone and, you know, he saw the picture of him, his mum and him, and then dropped it when 
he kind of just like in shock kind of thing dropped it and the screen smashed and then it reminded me that was the reason we saw that his dad's phone was smashed last episode because i didn't even pick that up well though like when he picks it up in that bit obviously we don't see like much afterwards he seems pretty chill for a guy who's just found his phone on the floor completely cracked screen yeah he's just fine there's no issues there's no problems something i thought was interesting as well was the uh mr robot logos changed in this reality yes and it's a geek squad parody now Oh, is that what that is? I, I recognise it. I've just Googled it now because I recognise it. I couldn't think exactly what it was, but it's the Geek Squad logo. Because I always thought the um, original one, like the title for the show as well, looks a bit like the font from an old Sega game. Like when the Sega logo comes in. Okay. But I don't know if it's exactly that, but it looks like that to me. It always has. Well, when um, Elliot dropped his phone, he told us, you know, his monster was alive before running out the shop. Um, our Elliot is now what I'm going to call him. So our Elliot follows his dad home and a girl singing the Frere Jacques song, do you remember, uh, pulls up in a scooter asking him where he'd been. Elliot asks where Darlene is, but the girl doesn't know her and laughs, saying that he doesn't have a sister. His mum comes to the uh, mail after his dad leaves again and says that she wasn't expecting to see him till tomorrow. She tells him to come in for lunch and to look at the new curtains that she just got. At this point, I noticed that she had an accent. Has she always had an accent? And if so, where is it supposed to be from? Yes, I think, because I don't know if they ever name, name her, but I think she is Hispanic. Hmm. Um, I believe. I remember there being something about, I think it's, in the the sitcom episode, hmm. uh, I feel like when she hits Darlene in that one, um, they she says like something in in another language, like that kind of sitcom trope kind of thing. Um, if you know what I mean, like the you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> I can't remember exactly what I mean to be honest. Uh, no, I think I think I know what you yeah, mean. I'm just trying yeah. to Google now to see if the actress who plays her is Indian, but I don't think they they yeah. really go into it. But like Rami Malek is, um, well, he's he's like Egyptian, isn't he? Yeah, he's. I think I think she's supposed to be like Middle Eastern or something. Then yeah. surely they I don't never really, know. They never really go into it, but. Um, but yeah, I think she's always supposed to have had an accent. I can't, I just can't remember her name. Magda. That's it, yeah. Yeah. Her real, the, the actress's name is uh, Vaishnavi Sharma. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's a bunch of uh, subreddits about Elliot's mom and trying to trying to figure that out yeah. but i won't get into that now <laughs> um, another thing as well the girl that stops him outside i only found this out the other day um she's the same girl do you remember when he has his um overdose and he's like he and he, like we kind of find out about it in the next episode he ends that weird world doesn't he this, well, this world he's in mm. that's the girl that's outside his house in that one yeah but she's a little girl isn't she yeah but it's it, but i think it's Singing the same yeah, I think it's the same actress. Oh. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah, because she's wearing the same clothes anyway. Mm. Um. So I'm. I 
like I don't know for certain how accurate that, that is, but I saw something about it the other day. That'd be cool. Um, okay, so inside the house, Elliot says that it does look different and his mum assumes that he's talking about the curtains. He looks at all the family photos and realises there's no Darlene, which he ends up saying out loud, and his mum asks, who's Darlene? Elliot says she doesn't sound like his mum, tells us this, by the way, that she doesn't sound like his mum, she sounds like somebody who loves their son. Elliot asks if their past has changed, has his. He runs up to check the window that he'd fallen out of, and the room, his bedroom, is now a windowless closet. His mum had followed him up the stairs and he asked his mum where his bedroom is and it's in the room adjacent where, according to his mum, it's always been. His new bedroom is full of trophies and skateboards and all types of stuff in there and Elliot asks if she remembers an accident when he was eight and he broke his arm. His mum says he's never broken his arm, he's never broken a bone in his entire life. She says she's worried about him and he asks us if he didn't jump, does that mean that there was no reason to? Elliot asks his mum if she or his dad ever hurt him and she responds saying they'd never hurt him, they love him more than anything. He finds out that he's engaged to marry Angela tomorrow and tries to go and see her. He wonders if, he's, if when he sees her he'll be able to believe it and wonders if this world would make more sense. He knocks on the door at Angela's apartment and Philip Price opens the door. Turns out in this world, Philip and Angela's mum are together and he is openly her dad. Angela's mum talks about how happy she is that they finally got together and Elliot spots a framed picture collage of him and Angela that was meant to be a surprise for him. Angela's mum still looks kind of ill to me. Like, I don't know if you if you noticed that, like she kind of looks a bit off. I didn't was that, know. Was she not I, meant more to? Kind of she, to me, it seemed like she was nervous more than anything else. But she had like, I don't know if you noticed this, at one point she puts her arms out, and this is not to disrespect the actress in any way, but she had like age spots, like liver spots on her arms. And I don't know if she was meant to. So I'm not sure. She, if, yeah, I don't really know, because I think in this world there's meant to be, because that kind of stuff just kind of doesn't, it doesn't, really seem to exist yeah because obviously you know? she like, wasn't ill and all everything's kind yeah. of reversed but I, it just i don't know she i don't know maybe it's just no, me. That's, yeah i i it's not something i you know it's i have to go back and have a look personally well anyway her phone rings and it's i'm gonna call him now fake elliot i didn't i had him written down as other elliot in my notes but it just got confusing still. it gets confusing doesn't it yeah so i started yeah. calling the elliot that's there fake elliot and the elliot that's narrating to us our elliot that's how i differentiated the two because it was getting so him, confusing i should call him elliot elliot <laughs> yeah um so yeah so fake elliot's ringing and angela's parents think it's some kind of gag and our elliot answers the phone freaking out hearing his own voice um, he doesn't say anything and an earthquake hits uh, in that moment. Angela's mum goes to pick up Elliot's broken glass pieces that he dropped and cuts her hand, which explains where all of the blood and everything in the bin came from in the last episode. Elliot runs out and heads to his apartment. I'm obviously skipping lots of little bits, but yeah. it's because they weren't necessary to the actual story and, you know, things like, Philip making a drink and the dialogue between them like it was just that was part that was nice to see but it's not really important yeah. to the story so um 
Elliot's now outside his apartment. His keys work in the main door and for his door. And so he lets himself in and wonders if this world isn't his, then whose is it? Inside, he tells us this guy, referring to fake Elliot, is definitely not him. And fake Elliot is, no, and he's definitely not fake Elliot. Something like that. Our Elliot hacks fake Elliot. And uh, there was a really interesting camera shots of like his face, the computer and the keyboard and kind of going back and forth in that kind of triangle motion and went really, really fast and kind of made me a bit dizzy. Our Elliot finds out that fake Elliot doesn't appear to have crippling social anxiety and that everything in his life seems perfect. Knowing that nobody is as perfect as they seem or as happy as the picture suggests, our Elliot continues hacking and finds uh, looking for fake Elliot's monster. He finds a hidden uh, drive with drawings of our Elliot's life, characters we know like Darlene, etc., and the F Society mask. Our Elliot wonders if he is his monster just as fake Elliot enters. Fake Elliot starts to call the police and our Elliot stops him and gets him to hear him out. Our Elliot asks why he has those sketches in that hidden partition. Fake Elliot wants to know how he got in and realises that our Elliot looks exactly like his drawing. At this point, I was like, and also you? Duh. Like, what? <laughs> it's just such a weird thing for him to be like, oh, you look like that drawing. Like, what? He looks like you, mate. He's literally your identical. Like, anyway. Um, the two Elliots sit down opposite each other and our Elliot wants to know what the hidden files are. Fake Elliot says sometimes when he gets bored, he creates people with more exciting lives in his head. He calls the Elliot that he drew a superhero of sorts, a vigilante hacker. Fake Elliot says the girl with the brown hair would be his partner in crime. We know that that's Darlene. And F Society is a name that he made up for an anarchist group that would say fuck society. Our Elliot wants to know why he created this person and fake Elliot says that he fantasizes about being him but wouldn't actually want to be him because he's angry, alone, with no life and is not normal. And he looks up at him and says, oh shit man, I'm sorry. And I'm not going to lie, I cracked up. I found that hilarious. Our Elliot then tells us in his sort of inner monologue that he's not normal no matter what world he's in and fake Elliot actually hears the narration and wants to know how he's doing that. Our Elliot tries to leave but an earthquake strikes just as fake Elliot was trying to stop him and reaches out his arm and fake Elliot falls during the earthquake, hits his head on the side of the radiator and appears to be dead. He's on the floor bleeding out. Our Elliot says he's going to go and get some help and then a call comes through from Angela who's over the moon with the book that fake Elliot had left for her in her apartment. Elliot is breaking down, um, you know, saying that she doesn't get it, he lost her, all of this stuff and Angela says all he needs to do is show up tomorrow and they'll be together for the rest of their lives. Angela says he just needs to choose to be happy and ask him if he loves her. Our Elliot says he's always loved her and Angela asks if he wants to get uh, to start their new life together. He said yes and so she says she'll see him tomorrow. At that point when he hangs up fake Elliot comes to and asks him to call an ambulance as he's bleeding out on the floor and can't move. Our Elliot says but he'll lose her and he can't lose her again. He says he's sorry and smothers fake Elliot to death 
while he looks away and says he thinks we should look away too. The camera pans up to the computer and our Elliot stands up with bloody hands asking us not to judge him. Both of them couldn't exist in this world. He had no choice. And that was the end of episode 12. Nathan, thoughts? It's, 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 well, what I say every day, like, it's just wild. Like, I like that we're kind of getting this parrot, like, we're getting a lot of the questions from the previous episode answered a little bit in terms of these little kind of cutaway moments. So, like, you see Elliot trying to figure out what world he's in. And I like that he doesn't immediately feel safe there. So like, like as soon as he sees his dad, he's just like, no, he's still alive. I don't like this. Like he's in complete shock and just, just runs out of the place. Um, and like that little kind of phone call reunion with him and Angela, where he's just like, like he commits like the worst thing he's done in the whole show and just, you know, kills another person for his own personal gain. But I, I also love that kind of like, like he finally has that connection with the person he's missed the most. Like it's it's just you can't talk about it fully until you get to the end of the next one. I'll be honest with you because there's just so much that's just like <laughs> been opened up. That you're like it just like it's it's not at a point where it feels like none of it makes sense or none of it's come out of the blue. If that makes if that makes sense like this like the way Elliot acts in this world kind of makes sense when you think about it not that yeah. I think like, he's not acting out of character he's, this is him trying to finally get what he wants taking taking action still definitely and he does do the most atrocious thing that we've seen him do so far yeah. um, how did you write down that he, kill, he kills that of Elliot because I tried to write it without saying he kills himself I no, like, I just, I literally wrote... To, that whole scene was so difficult to make notes for. <laughs> I wrote, um, yeah, just as I read it, he says he's sorry and smothers fake Elliot yeah, to death. Literally, it's like, that, that whole scene is great because it's... I always like when you get um, two actors that are like... Fake, like well, one actor acting as two people. Mm-hmm. Like, um, it's quite good on... I've seen bits of Orphan Black where she does like... Oh, love a range of people, and this, even though this isn't him playing different people, he's playing himself, he's playing Elliot, but he's playing Elliot if Elliot like had a better life, like he had people around, like had those people around him from the beginning Mm -hmm. that he found later in life. And you can just tell just from how they speak, how they act, like how different they are, but they are the same person. Like they've got these little kind of nuances of their being the same person. Like there's this, like you, you don't have to guess who's who at any point. No, they make it very clear. Mm. Right, and Rami's just, Rami's just fucking incredible. Yeah, he's honestly a wonderful actor. Wonderful, yeah. wonderful actor. Um, the reason I actually wanted to split those two up, like 12 and 13, was because it helps to 12 helps to show what was happening at the same time as 11. Yeah. So it clears up a lot of that stuff and it gives you that, like it gives us the break to kind of talk about it <laughs> and then yeah. get yeah. into the, get into the final, the final, there's just so much. Mm. There's just so, so, so much in one I episode. Think on original broadcast, they, they uh, aired this all as one episode, if I remember right. Um, 
similar to like the scrub season finale for season eight where like the whole final episode was done as one hour but like if you watch on syndication they've like halved it so it's a two-parter instead I think this is similar, but then it's always... No, it's I think you're right, only else. because, I mean, there was an ending for 12 in the in terms of, like, credits and everything, but when 13 starts, it starts right in the middle. Mm. Like, it starts right as when he killed him. Yeah, so, like, they literally repeat the scene. like it was Yeah, exactly. So it's anyway. not like a... I think it was probably likely broadcast mm. at the same time. Um, which is crazy because there's so much to take in. This must have been an event, like to watch live. Oh, definitely. Like these. Uh, what I like as well is like none of none of this is something that I could have predicted. Like I, but obviously I'd seen it all before, so like I kind of knew bits and pieces. I'd kind of forgotten the overall message of the ending, but I never quite understood it when I saw myself. Saw it like the first time around. Oh, I. So the predict- added context has kind of helped a bit. I predict stuff all of the time and this show has been one where I'm like, I really, there's many things I couldn't <laughs> predict and I certainly could not predict episode 13. I could like, you couldn't, oh, there's no way. Final episode. Are you ready, Nathan? Yes. So after killing fake Elliot, our Elliot says he has to do a full wipe down before he gets in the shower and washes all the blood off of him. He goes to a parking lot, which is uh, the one that he actually woke up in after the 5-9 attack and gets in the car that he'd woken up in. Question, was this supposed to be fake Elliot's car because he had the keys? I believe so, yeah. Okay. I don't think it was the exact... I'm not too sure if it was the exact same car that like, he woke up in that while back. It looked like it. Yeah, I think it looks... Uh, I can't... Whose car was it in the end? Was it Tyrell's It was Tyrell's, it was Tyrell's. Car, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was Tyrell's car. Yeah, because I think he's very much kind of, if you look at how they're dressed in that scene from the episode before, um, Elliot and Tyrell have like swapped wardrobes almost in that little bit. They have yeah. Together. Also, Elliot was kind of giving me Gideon vibes. I don't know if you yeah. noticed that, but... Okay, yeah, because Gideon's not even around. He's like, he's the one running all safe in that bit. Yeah. So it kind of gave me like, like he almost absorbed Gideon's personality traits a little bit but I don't know um so Philip calls him and says that everyone is waiting for him at the beach and that he needs to hurry to Coney Island back at his apartment he nicks a delivery man's now I don't know what these things are called like the rolling box carrier thing whatever uh, that's called. I think it's just trolley like our delivery guy trolley. Uses them every now and then I think it's there we just go a trolley trolley makes cool. probably more sense than rolling box carrier thing which is exactly how I wrote it <laughs> I think rolling box, like, I say rolling box carrier thing, but rolls off track really well. <laughs> well, he nicks that and he puts dead Elliot in a box, I guess, ready to ship out. And uh, as he's getting ready for his wedding, Mr. Robot shows up. Um, Elliot- real quick, sorry. Oh. You know the bit where we see Elliot in the box? Yes. Right. Does that look exactly like that Bloodhound Gang album cover with the really fat dude in the box? Like he's positioned exactly Google the same. He's, I, I can't remember the name of the album, but like uh, Bloodhound Gang Box, it'd probably come up. It doesn't. <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, um, oh, mm, heft, I guess kind of. I, immediately that came to mind. <laughs> this is not what came to my mind my at all. I, I mean, I guess it, it says a lot more about me than it does about you. 
I'll yeah, I don't think it was purposeful. I think that's just your brain on this one. <laughs> you know, he's, he's, well, I was about to say he's a hip-hop fan. I don't think you can call Bloodhound Gang hip-hop, can you? I don't think I've ever heard a song by Bloodhound Gang, if I'm being honest. I feel like it would be... You might have heard Bad Touch, kind of one of those ones where you haven't realised you've heard it. Oh, it's highly possible. There's loads yeah, of songs that yeah. I know and I have no idea who sung them or what they're called or even the lyrics, it. but I know them. Hurdle, I'm terrible at it. Because I literally just be like, oh, I know the song. Can I just Shazam it if I know <laughs> if I have a, an inkling, but I don't actually know the name of the song? Yeah, that's very much me. So as he's getting ready for his wedding, Mr. Robot shows up and Elliot tells Mr. Robot that White Rose was right and everything here is better. Mr. Robot says... Huh? I feel like I've misspelt something here and it's completely thrown off the sentence. I've written Mr. Robot says hot for him. <laughs> not, my, I think it might be not for him. Oh, not. Yes. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> Reading the rest of it made sense. So Mr. Robot says not for him, gesturing to dead Elliot in the box. And now I'm not calling fake Elliot, fake Elliot anymore. I'm calling him dead Elliot. Elliot. Mr. Robot tells him it's a bad idea to pretend to be dead Elliot, but our Elliot is determined not to let Mr. Robot steal this from him and tells Mr. Robot to get the fuck out of his way if he's not going to help him. Elliot carries out dead Elliot in a box. <laughs> sorry, just reading it back is so funny. <laughs> like, Sorry. Um, Elliot carries out dead Elliot in a box and is about to put him in the boot of his car as Dom dressed as a police officer, appears to give him a ticket. She asks him for his ID, and Dom says the person in this ID is nothing like him. Dom is very suspicious and wants him to open the box. She spots some blood on his collar and coming out of the box and pulls her gun, requesting backup on her radio. She opens the box and is disgusted just as an earthquake hits, giving Elliot the escape that he needed. He runs away and gets onto the subway where Mr. Robot tries to talk some sense into him. Elliot is yelling, saying he is done listening to Mr. Robot and all he's ever really wanted was for him to leave him alone. At Coney Island, Elliot heads towards the ceremony where guests are patiently and creepily waiting in F-Society masks for him. Mr. Robot shows up and gives Elliot a hoodie to put on and put on on top of his tux because it's cold out, which was weird. Mr. Robot says Angela isn't coming. There was never going to be a wedding and White Rose's machine didn't work. Elliot deactivated it. This is a world that Elliot created. Mr. Robot says he tried to bring him back here a while ago. He accidentally slipped into this world once when he was going through a morphine withdrawal. Elliot asks if this is a dream and Mr. Robot says it's a prison, a recursive loop Elliot constructed to keep him occupied about a year ago. Talking about. You think the guy that was back at my apartment was the real Elliot? 
real as he could be in this deluded fantasy that you've stuck him in. I'm the real Elliot Alderson. You're no more Elliot Alderson than I am. You're just like me. Only a part of him. And if you don't let go, he'll never get back to living his own life. What life? Remember? You can't kill him. No matter how hard you try. This doesn't make any fucking sense. I was wildly confused here um and over the next couple of scenes things started to kind of fall into place yeah um and i you could not have paid me to have guessed this ending i there was no way honestly i i watched it like years ago and i i didn't fully grasp it then either like part parts of it i'm like right i think i get it but i'm iffy on it i'm iffy on it I'm, i feel like i don't get it at the same time yeah, super wild. Super, super wild. So, Elliot finds out he's not the real Elliot and he's only part of him, like Mr. Robot is. As he questions who he really is, Mr. Robot says he already knows. Angela shows up in that moment and is in the distance but runs away when she sees him. He follows her to the Fun Society arcade where she's waiting for him. Angela says there's no reason for the people out there to be here. She tells him he's not Elliot, he's the mastermind. So from now on, I'm going to refer to him as Mastermind Elliot. Because that scene is literally like the parallel to his withdrawal one in... Is it season one or season... I'm pretty sure it was season one. No, no, no. Season two, is it? Wait, when did he have... Do you remember they... I, I, I always... I can't remember if it was that or like when he... I think, yeah, it's when he's... In withdrawal, they, they end up like getting dosed with heroin, I think. Yeah, but he goes out into a cabin, and it has to be one because I think it was before Five Nine. They didn't really hang out much with Romero and stuff after Five Nine, mm. they were all very separate, weren't they? So I think it has to be season one. Um, yeah, I'm always certain it is because they have that exact thing when it goes like, Isn't it obvious you're not Elliot, you're there, and then it cuts out. Yeah, because that's where we see that girl from earlier as well where she's like the fire like the house is like the 404 not found sign or something on the uh where the house is meant to be or something mm -hmm. so in that moment the screen jolts and mastermind elliot falls out the side entrance door to see mr robot who runs away from him we then cut to the pier where everyone has mr robot's face in an incredibly creepy scene <laughs> um before i'm not going anywhere kiddo rings out stopping all of the weird faces um now the crowd's kind of back to normal and um mastermind elliot sees mr robot in the crowd uh, turns him around and it's actually tyrell wellick but in a suit tyrell shoots him and then takes mastermind elliot to uh, a night scene where he's getting dragged through some sand and is dropped into a pit darlene's voice rings out with a machine beeping saying elliot please wake up 
and he wakes up in Krista's office, who looks absolutely gorgeous in a white dress. Elliot says she's not really Krista, and she says, of course not, but the others thought that he'd listened to her since he trusted the real Krista so much. The others are trying to get through to him, and Krista says Darlene is out in the real world trying to wake Elliot. Elliot's connection to her is the only link to the to reality that he has. And Krista says it's by design that Darlene was kept out of this fantasy, as without her, it's his best chance at trapping the real Elliot here. Mastermind Elliot screams that he wants to wake up, he wants his life back, but he can't seem to leave the room. Every time he walks out, he comes right back in from the other direction in like some kind of endless loop. Krista says they first need to discuss Elliot's disassociative identity disorder to get to the truth. The first personality was created the day Elliot jumped out the window. The protector personality created to uh, replace his father, aka Mr. Robot. Later, uh, later in life, Elliot created the mother personality, aka the, the persecutor, the one that blames Elliot for the abuse. Then Elliot's younger self emerged a little later um, to handle the abuse that he couldn't tolerate. With that, he created his own family of sorts. Mastermind Elliot tells us that she doesn't know about us. Krista looks right at the camera and says she does, calling us the warriors that think we aren't part of this despite being here for all of it. Another personality came about not too long ago. Elliot doesn't want to hear it. Krista says he wanted to shelter him, which is why he changed his past and, protect, and tried to protect his future and went to great lengths to take down the evil that surrounds him, wanted to save the entire world to make it better for him, lock him away in here and keep him safe until he was ready. Krista says the real Krista never figured out that she never actually spoke to the real Elliot. She only ever spoke to the personality created to carry Elliot's rage. The vigilante hacker that Elliot always dreamt of being, the personality that had gained so much control, he forgot he was just another personality. Krista tells the mastermind he needs to give control back to the host, the real Elliot. He doesn't want to give up control, and Krista says if he wakes up now, he'll just be stealing Elliot's life all over again, and he says this is his life and always will be. That scene was crazy. Mm. That scene was nuts. I was watching the whole thing like I had to rewatch it so I could write notes because I just I couldn't. Because I I couldn't keep track of notes on like different personalities, role, like different personas' roles that they had. Crazy, um, and the whole time there was flashbacks as well, wasn't there? Mm. Which was nuts. Yeah, it was crazy, crazy. Um, Mastermind Elliot wakes up in the hospital to see on the screen, uh, the TV screen, a muted news report saying that Zhang was found dead as a nuclear meltdown was narrowly avoided. Darlene is napping nearby and wakes up to him calling her. He wants to be sure that it's not a dream and that she's really there. And she reassures him this is all real and calls for a nurse. Darlene said the only reason he survived was because the room he and White Rose were in had some kind of special shielding. The machine was pulverised under the rubble and it's official. Elliot saved the world. Mastermind Elliot looks down at Elliot's name on the hospital wristband that he's wearing and says he doesn't think he can do this. Not him. Darlene. 
I'm not Elliot. I'm only a part of him. Mastermind Elliot says he created a safe place for Elliot and he has everything that he ever wanted, but says the one thing that he doesn't have is Darlene, who Mastermind Elliot loves. Just want to pause there real quick, because if you remember, um, Elliot was talking, well, we didn't realise it was Mastermind Elliot at the time, but he was talking about how with White Rose, about how um, all the way people like love him and they give him the one thing that he can't give, which is love. Yeah. And then he just says here that he loved Darlene, which, oh my God, I felt, I felt myself welling up and I got my shit together. Don't worry. I made it through. 
Elliot apologizes to us for never giving us a name. But then again, he didn't give himself a name either. Just a guy trying to play God without permission. The scene ends with all four personalities looking out at the New York skyline of now I know Tyrell's boardroom. And uh, mastermind Elliot says this whole time he thought changing the world was something that you did and actually performed something you fought for, but wonders if changing the world is actually just about being here, showing up even when we're told we don't belong, staying true even when we're shamed into being false, by believing in ourselves even when we're told we're too different. And if we all refuse to budge and fall in line and stand our ground for long enough, just maybe the world could help, couldn't help but change around us. Even though we'll be gone, we'll always be part of Elliot Alderson and we'll be the best part because we're the part that always showed up, that stayed, that changed him and who wouldn't be proud of that. Mastermind Elliot walks down a long corridor towards a red door and tells us this only works if we let go too before entering. It leads into a cinema where the other personalities, Mr. Robot, Elliot's mum and young Elliot are waiting for him. He sits down and a movie starts playing as he cries. The camera pans up towards the projector light as music plays and we get lost in the light. We then see Darlene appear, look down at us and she says, hello Elliot. And that is the end of Mr. Robot, Nathan. I chill to narrate that ending. That ending scene, it's like, it's incredible. Like how, how it just all, it all ties together incredibly well. Like it, it's a lot of shows that could go like this. You could think of, they haven't planned out their ending. Like there's so many callbacks to earlier moments. There's so many call forwards to, to stuff like this or hints towards this that it all wraps up really neatly. And I, I think the whole idea of the journey of it just being that Elliot just trying to be okay with himself more than anything else is 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 great like there's there's i've heard it before like there's a great mental health message to the whole thing that's kind of i think the first season it has it has a place in the first season but like it comes more to the forefront as we go through the whole thing especially season three season four like elliot's um like problems that he's got going on like take that center stage of things and just as you get it's just it's, just, it's incredible like just see like how you kind of know this person who felt spent his whole life thinking he like he wasn't loved was just kind of protecting himself from all this and how he built these safeguards and all these walls and how these people kind of broke those walls down not even knowingly breaking these walls down and how like the message of the end of it is is just showing up when you're not when even when they don't expect you to be there like just show up and do your part yeah, I love that. I love that he kind of was, it really was a message to everybody, wasn't it? It was mm. like, a, yeah, you can want to change the world. Yeah, the world's fucked, but you are changing it just by being yourself, by being here, by showing up. It doesn't have to be an action. You don't have to do a thing. You don't have to be an anarchist. You don't have to do, you just mm. by showing up, being yourself, standing your ground, that is enough. Um, and even if it doesn't change in your lifetime, we are slowly changing it, which is the point. And it was just this really lovely realization of, I guess, just like, 
it was just like a humanity realization, wasn't it? It was just a yes. very kind, a very forgiving, very patient, very loving kind of realization that he had, which is lovely to see because he's the rage personality. Mm. He's supposed to just be angry and fuck society and da da da, and that's what he's supposed to do. Um, and for him to have done that complete 180 um, because of everything that he's gone through and everything that he's realized about Elliot and who he is to Elliot. It was just, I couldn't have called that ending, man. No. It, and I love no surprises the shit out of me like that. Yeah. It's crazy to look back on that, like, we've not even seen the real Elliot the whole We've way. never met him. And we still didn't, even at the end, mm. because Darlene was looking at the camera, look, looking at us. We, we didn't. And I think that was in itself a kind of a message. It's like, we're Elliot. As, yeah. as you know, Mastermind was saying about, um, we're all part of Elliot Alderson. The fact that she looks at us and says, hello, Elliot, is just so powerful. Like, it's just... And I know that it's it's coming off the back of a massive redistribution of wealth that they've just carried out. They've mm. taken the money and taken down the evil, um, the evil that was White Rose, even though the Dark Army is still there and they've just gone to something else. But, you know, they've done this huge thing and it was this huge hacker movement, this huge anarchist movement. And they're still like, you only just have to show up. Like you don't have to hold the kind of like those pressures on your shoulders kind of thing. I don't know if I'm making sense, but no, that's kind of how I yeah. looked at it. And it, I've just thought that was such a lovely message for a very anarchist show. Yeah. It doesn't leave you angry. It doesn't leave you, oh, I'm going to try and do that in our world. I'm going to try and mess things up because the 1% is screwing us over. And da -da -da. It doesn't leave you like that. It leaves you thinking, you know what? The fact that I'm here and I'm alive and I showed up today to the world yeah. is enough. It leaves you hopeful that like, literally, if you feel like you're not doing enough, even even turning up when it's the hardest thing to do is is You've done enough. Yeah, yeah. You've done your part. You've it's done like your part. if you're in a protest, even if you don't shout when you're in the protest, you're, you're there you're part of that, yeah. that movement, you know? Like, and even if you don't protest, but you maybe go and pick up some waters and on the way you give a bunch of people that are outside protesting some water or, you know, you do you something. share something on social media. You share say, something oh, on social media. Happening. Yeah. It's like you've done your part. I'm like, yeah, it's a small part, but you have but you've shown done up. your part. Yeah. And I love that as a message. I think it's beautiful for mm. such an anarchist show as well. I think it's a beautiful yeah. message. Um. It's definitely not the message well I would done. have expected it to take on in the end. Say that again. It's definitely not the message I would have expected it to take on in the end. But I think that's it again, isn't it? Because you kind of, you expect it to be like, fuck society right yeah. to the end. And it's really not that. It's really much, very much like, no, you're part of society and everyone just do a little bit and it will change. Mm. Um, and it's very much not that anarchist in the end. Yeah. It's very much a not so much an individual but a very much a do your part it's almost very socialist yeah. uh, and very like community rather than i don't know it's just very nice it was really really nice ending lots of things to think about lots of surprises couple twists and turns i did not see coming um and overall just shot really well written really well the few gripes i have to be honest for there to have been so many episodes over four seasons for me to only have this the few gripes that i had i have gripes with a lot of stuff they did pretty fucking good <laughs> for me to only be annoyed at a few things and most of the gripes for like me personally are just like little creative things so i took like the creative license with how yeah. they're showing these 
personalities, you know, like there's, there's everything builds up to something. It's not a wasted moment. Everything like, there's not like, it's not like a show where they decide, oh, we'll have a random comedic scene. You know, this isn't the kind of show that just wastes like five minutes of screen time on just, oh yeah, it's pointless. Like everything builds to something. Everything has a purpose the whole time. Like, and speaking of as well, remember we were talking about on one of these, we said about how uh, it was weird that Elliot forgot Darlene and it mm. never, but then never forgot her again. Yeah. And that makes sense if it's not Elliot. Yeah, it's because like, I think from the implication of it, the show's taken place over about a year. Yeah. And uh, I think the general idea is that this uh, this thing has been like this mastermind has taken control since like he's a new personality he's taken control since elliot's had to be seeing krista yeah i think is my like, i don't know if they explicitly say that. it's michael what i kind of think because he he had like a moment of rage but i don't think they ever really say said what happened but i don't know if it was related in any way to the whole ron's coffee thing and near the beginning because obviously like you understand now why he kind of he went after like he targets people like that yeah yeah yeah. well i think i think definitely from the beginning of the show from the narration everything from the beginning we've only ever seen mastermind um and i think we're led to believe that mastermind hasn't been around that much long before we got there Hmm. um Mastermind is the one that started F Society with Darlene. But, well, actually, now that I'm saying that, now it really doesn't make sense that he doesn't... No, no, it does. So he would know Darlene, he just wouldn't know that Darlene is his sister. Yeah, Darlene is just kind of that person there because they know that... The Mastermind knows that the only way he can stop Elliot, the true Elliot, from coming out is by forgetting that Darlene's his sister. That's why as soon as thing as soon as he finds out that Darlene's his sister, like things start to fall in place a bit more though. Yeah, true. Like, it all kind and of it, unravels a bit. I find it so interesting that the personalities interacted with each other, but that Mr. Robot interacted so much with Mastermind. Mm. Like oh, had whole... this such a massive love for Mastermind. Yeah. And I wonder if it's because Mastermind basically had Elliot under lock and key Mm. and the only way to protect Elliot was to protect Mastermind. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think I think Mr. Robot's whole thing was that he he had to protect the physical Elliot. So he had to do his best to kind of like, okay, well, I know what's going on here, but I've got one job, which is to protect Elliot from the real world. So I'm going to do that. Yeah, um, like the whole time he knows what's going on because he's I don't like the only thing I I kind of wonder is how come he lightened up a little bit in season four like he'd become because he was always quite aggressive towards Elliot but I think it might have just been kind of he might have just been more aggressive towards maybe the mastermind persona possibly so he was trying to kind of force the mastermind persona out of Elliot. Maybe I don't. I that's one thing I've always do wonder about. Because like even yeah. Darlene comments on him being less of a dickhead as as Mr. Robot. That's 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 actually a really good point because they say the mastermind was the rage personality, but really the one who yeah. had the most rage in at least the first season was Mr. Robot. Like he was the one that was very much like, they're all going to pay and da 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 Like he was, whereas Elliot was just fucking scared of his own shadow half the time. Um, yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. I don't know about that. 
It's a weird one. It's a weird yeah, one. It, it's, Great it's, show it's, overall, though. Lovely it's, ending. I wouldn't, yeah, it's one of those ones that's difficult to poke holes into. So there's, there's probably just moments you miss, you know, along the way. Yeah, like definitely. Second second watch, and I'm I'm picking up stuff I didn't notice before, just knowing the little plot twist and things. Like, I'm noticing little character moments where I'm like, oh, I get why he said that now. Mm. Or, like, I get why this happened this way. Like, I think if you re-watch it with the ending in mind, you'll kind of notice the little changes. Yeah, I definitely think if I was to re-watch it now, I'd be like, mm. oh, okay, that's why this happened and that happened, and I'd, that makes sense. Honestly, the hardest part has literally been seeing things happen and being like, I want to discuss this really subtly without Linda noticing that I'm trying to push you <laughs> on something. It was like stuff like um, them talking about him misremembering the whole incident of him falling out the window. I remember saying like, what do you, what's your take on that? It might come up later. <laughs> it might come up again. Yeah, definitely. They, there's a few there's a few standout moments like that, aren't there, where it's just like nothing is what it seems. Um, no, the, 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 the show is so just so good at that kind of thing. Like, so good. Well, bloody hell, we did it, Nathan. We've got through all of Mr. Robot. So, as usual, is there anything you would like to promote to the listeners? Um, main thing is just my absurd Twitter, which is just Nafers Jones, and my Instagram, which I think I've said this every time. I will update soon. Um, my design <laughs> Instagram, um, but it's uh, Nafunk N A Y F U N K, and also if you have Amazon Prime, watch Mister Robot. Do it, absolutely do it. Um, yeah, if you haven't, if we haven't sold it to you before now, then surely they sold it to you. If you I'd ho- yeah, it. I'd have hoped if you got to this far you had watched a bit of it instead of going okay now i'll watch it but still it's worth a watch even if you kind of know what's coming up you can have well, some now, context now they know the yeah. twists they yeah. can then go and look for the little the little easter eggs in the show see yeah. if you can explain away things as you watch it if you hadn't watched it before um all right and all of that information will be in the description as always for me it's the same uh at pod of mercy on twitter and instagram follow the pod um you can watch me shit post if you like at linda is poopy <laughs> on twitter um please give us a rating on itunes um and all of that good stuff rate us five stars share with a friend all of that good stuff nathan maybe maybe back if we can decide on another show maybe we should do another one of these I think we suggested um, the boys, but I have literally just done a rewatch of that. But we could do something before season three starts. For the boys? Yeah, potentially. Fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to be able to do an episode per fucking season for that or two episodes per season, but we'll see. We'll figure it out. We'll I figure it only out. Eight, only eight episodes a season, I'm pretty sure, rewatching it. It felt like it was more, uh, but I think it's only eight per season. Yeah, but they're just eight really intense episodes, aren't they? So I don't know if. I don't know how that'll work, but we'll figure it out. The next yeah. season is out in June, isn't it? Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. only got a couple months to go. I think they're dropping right. the first three all in one go again. All right, well, we'll figure it out behind the scenes and we'll come back oh, to yeah. you with some uh, something for you to listen to about a show that we are watching. Uh, in the meantime, I should be putting out regular Pod of Mercy episodes out, so keep an ear out for those. Um, and that's about it from me. So I'll see you in two weeks. Bye. Goodbye, friends. (laughs) Goodbye, friends.